0: Hello, I'm Marit Sneemann. Welcome to Calm, Clear and Helpful, a weekly podcast series on taking good care of yourself and others, introducing you to a wide range of wellness experts happy to inform and inspire. Today's topic is how your physical environment mirrors your inner reality. My guest is Liesl Tom. Master Transformation Coach, Broadcasting Journalist and Motivational Speaker from Centurion. Welcome back to the show, Liesl.
1: It's always a pleasure. Thank you for having me back again. Thanks, Mariette.
0: To our listeners, after our conversation, Liesl will give us her three tips on how to declutter your environment and then it will be fun question time. Liesl, for those listeners who haven't heard our other episodes, could you please explain what you do? Mariette, I am a transformation coach and then I'm also a
1: Martha Beck certified life coach. Now, transformation coaching and life coaching might sound like they are a little bit similar, but they're completely different modalities. Life coaching is client-centered, and we talk about what the client needs. The client is the expert, and as a coach, I ask questions to guide them to find their own solutions because, you know, advice is really not helpful. There's a saying in, in a song that advice is a way of fishing the past from the disposal painting over the ugly parts and recycling it for more than it's worth. So when we give advice, we are telling people what worked for us. It doesn't necessarily work for them. Mm. Transformation coaching, on the other hand, works with the subconscious mind. And it's a system-based approach where we take a client through 16 hours of I want to say reprogramming, and I know that sounds very scary. It's not hypnosis. The client is fully present and fully cooperating with the transformation coach. But we physically remove things like limiting beliefs or negative emotions. Or I can even go so far if you have a problem with eating too much bread, but you you just like bread too much. You can't say no. I can reprogram your subconscious mind so that you, the next time you see bread, you won't want to eat it. It might, if we decide to do it before the time, it might even make you feel a little bit sick. So transformation pro, uh, transformation coaching works with reprogramming the subconscious mind. Life coaching is about guiding the clients to find their own solution.
0: Thank you for that distinction. I must admit that I didn't know that.
1: <laughs> very few people do, mate, and that's why it's important for me to be very clear that there is a difference and that there's a different reason for each one.
0: Thank you. Now we're coming to our topic of the day, and we're looking at how our physical environment reflects our inner reality or state of mind. The idea that, for instance, an individual's home environment reflects what's going on in their mind may seem like a strange notion, but I hope that skeptic listeners will hear us out. And I'm very curious to hear what you're going to say. <laughs> I thought we'd first explore some of the principles underlying this outlook and then consider examples that illustrate the dynamic interaction between inner and outer change. I'd like to zoom out so we can take a look at two broad perspectives. The first one is that life happens to us and we merely respond. In other words, we're victims of our circumstances. The second perspective is that we create our lives from the inside out. Would you like to comment on these two contrasting views? The first thing
1: I would like to say is to quote my teacher, Burke Estherosa, who always says some people live on the effect side of life. And those are the people to whom life happens they are the victims of their circumstances. And then people who are aware and who are taking charge of their lives, they live on the cause side of life. They make things happen. Now, I have to say, when you are a student of self-development, you, you think, you strive to move to the core side of life. And the longer you try to take control of your life, to, to understand that whatever happens on the outside, whatever happens, I'm using air quotes, you can't see my hands, but whatever happens out there is a reflection of what is happening in my internal life. And the more we send out things like kindness, things like forgiveness. It's amazing how that inner change changes our perception of the outside world. Now, there is this this idea that whatever you focus on becomes more. So if you focus on the effect side, if you focus on being a victim, Your subconscious mind is going to give you more examples to prove that that is true because that is your focus. But when you focus on the things that do go right, when you focus on the times that you do manage to stay cool, calm and collected during a load shedding session or when someone drives, uh, cuts in in front of you, then you become more, your, your personal power increases and your subconscious mind gives you more of that. So whatever you focus on, whether you focus on the negative and being a victim or whether you focus on being the creator of your own reality, you are going to get more of that.
0: That's very well put. I really appreciate that thought that you can focus on the cause or on the effect side of life. Which concepts, Liesel, underpin the belief that we create our lives from the inside out? Mariette,
1: there's several thoughts that have been penned or, or spoken throughout the centuries. One of them is... I have to, to admit, a little bit too deep for my puny mind to understand. And that is the idea of as above, so below it. And, you know, if you ever look at that tree of life symbol, that symbol, that that tree of life where the, the roots are a direct mirror image of the the branches and the leaves, that symbolizes this concept of as above so below but as i say you know that's a that's a that's an existential question that i haven't completely wrapped my mind around one that's a bit closer to home that resonates with me a little bit more and, and a little bit easier is as within so, without. so Again, coming back to where your focus is. If I focus my thoughts, if I focus my being on kindness, I'm going to see more kindness reflected in the people around me because we are all mirrors to each other. And what I put out, I either see it mirrored directly back to me, so I either see Kindness reflected that to me. Or I can see instances where people are not kind to remind me to, to be kinder. And this is a conscious choice. I can choose to think, well, I'm trying to be kind and these people are just a bunch of, you know, for, for the sake of your podcast, I'll just say <laughs> idiots. But you know what I want <laughs> to say. I choose to see everything as a reflection or a lesson. Another phrase that that underpins this idea is how we do one thing is how we do everything. And that comes back to whatever I do in the privacy of my study of my home, they reflect how I'm going to to behave outside. I once read that the way to know if someone really has good manners, good table manners, is to watch them eat when they are alone and they don't know anyone is watching. Because if you pretend to the world to be really sophisticated and have good table manners, and you know exactly which fork and which knife and what to do and which glass goes where. But in the privacy of your own home when you're alone, you eat with your hands, with, with the juices flowing down your chin, and you just wipe it off with the back of your hand, that says something about you. Because how we do one thing is how we do everything
0: i 've never thought about that. that's a very interesting metaphor. Well, Marie, I always love
1: to share ideas that are you know we 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 know these things. Nothing that you and I are discussing are new thoughts, novel ideas that no one 's ever thought about. but some people resonate with some with certain words so you know, we translate things into different metaphors. And there's a saying, and this is, this is one of my favorite sayings, and, and I suspect it was Martha Beck who said this, the soul loves to hear what it already knows. So even though you do know this, our souls love to hear what it already knows. And when things are translated for us into terms that we've not considered before it it amplifies that idea it strengthens it and it makes it more part of our being
0: that's so true and then also i think making new connections between things that we already know and i'm sure today's going to be in today's podcast that's going to happen for me i hope it happens for some of the listeners as well well that's my hope too (laughs) Liesl, you've pointed me to an article by the self-empowerment expert, Tony Fakru, where he states, and I quote, Some people hold strongly to the notion of free will. I am of the opinion it is the illusion of free will, whereby our unconscious beliefs are being reflected to us as free choice. This is fascinating. Could you offer your thoughts on this, please?
1: Well, again Maria, this is one of those existential questions that people far smarter than me and and I think most people on this planet have been contemplating for years. But the way I see it is that this reality where we exist is very similar to a video game. Now, I know that consequences here are real so, in a video game, my, my kids love to play um, war games, and I know in a war game, you know if if you get shot, you wait a few minutes and then your your avatar reboots. Whereas in this reality, if something happens to your physical body, there are real physical consequences. but this three d reality of us being similar to a video game has perimeters, and within those perimeters we have choices. I like this distinction he makes between free will and free choice. Because free will, and the way he puts it makes sense to me, free will might give an illusion that we can do whatever we want. But within the perimeters of this 3D reality, we have choices. We cannot fly. I have to say, if I had absolute free will and I could, I would love to fly. Mm. But in this reality, human beings cannot fly by their own volition. Now, we as humans are very smart. And and I love the fact that we are so industrious and, and visionary that we come up with solutions to go around the perimeters of our 3D reality. Because in fact, human beings can fly, but we cannot fly. I cannot start levitating and go to wherever I want to go. There are certain steps that I need to take. And I think free choice is very similar to that. If I choose to fly to Cape Town, I have to take certain steps. I have to get in my car, go to the airport, go through security, get on a plane, and then I can fly to Cape Town. So so I think this distinction between free will and free choice is a very interesting idea. And I have to say, I do think I agree with that.
0: That makes a lot of sense. My next question is, if we really create our lives from the inside out, it follows that our environment reflects our inner world. Psychotherapist and writer Michael J. Formica writes, and once again I quote, that the environment with which we surround ourselves is very often a direct expression of where we are emotionally and psycho-spiritually, Of our global state of mind. Could you give us some insight into this please?
1: Mariette, if you walk into someone's home and there are dirty cups standing around, their beds aren't made and the entire house is in disarray, how do you view that person? It's an instinctive reaction we as humans have to look at a person's environment and make, make assumptions about them. And those assumptions, and I know assumption is the mother of all stuff ups, but those assumptions are f- very often very real. When our physical environment is cluttered and dirty and full of unused nonsense, It takes a lot of mental energy for us to block that out and focus on what we are doing. And that is one of the reasons why Zen Buddhists like to have a clear, clear environment with very minimal distractions because our six Sensors, and yes, I count intuition as a sixth sense, but if you want to be very pedantic and you just want to stick to five, our five senses take in, I think, uh, 400 billion bits of information per second. Our conscious mind can only handle around 2000. So we filter down from 400 billion to 2000 every second. And if we have to filter out this this visual noise around us, it takes a lot of energy for our subconscious mind to filter that out. So if we physically remove it, if we create an environment that's aesthetically pleasing, calm, uncluttered, the things that are they are things that you like and love then we make it easier for our conscious mind to focus on the things that we want to focus on
0: i suddenly understand why in the morning before i start working i like to go about the house and straighten things or pack them away i think it might be an unconscious a subconscious way of of decluttering the space so I will have less clutter in my mind when I work.
1: I think you're absolutely right. And a few years ago, I watched a video clip of an army general, and I think he was a Navy SEAL. I'm speaking under correction about that part. But what he said was, make your bed Every day, first thing in the morning, because that sets you up for success for the rest of the day. You've already done something on your to-do list and you come back to something that you've successfully done. So making your bed first thing in the morning sounds like such a simple thing. But there's so much more to it. And When our environment is clean, as I said, our minds have more, using air quotes again, more space to process the things that are important to us.
0: Now, Liesl, you've mentioned Martha Beck, for whom I have a lot of respect. And according to her, an individual's living space is a powerful metaphor for their life. She believes you can't change your home without changing your life and you can't change your life without changing your home. Could you elaborate on this, please?
1: Okay, Mariette, there are two aspects to this. The first thing I'd like to say in response to this question is that we as Martha Beck Life Coaches use a very interesting tool where we get our clients to write a paragraph or two about their home. So the paragraph would typically start with my home is, and then all these adjectives and descriptions. And and we try to get our clients to be as descriptive and use as many senses as possible. So my home smells good. My home smells like Green apples and whatever. So, so using all the senses, then once the client has written and read that paragraph, we ask them to remove the word home and replace it with my life. And it is uncanny how those same words that they've written about their home resonate with them when applied to their life. So my home is neat and tidy. My life is neat and tidy. My home is colorful. My life is colorful. My home is filled with love and laughter. My home is filled with love and laughter. I think you get the idea. Mm. The second part to my answer to your question is a little bit of a longer discussion that you and I have had in the past, but it refers to the change cycle, and I'm just quickly going to run through the change cycle. The first one is death and rebirth. Then the second phase is dreaming and scheming. Then you get the euro's journey, and then the promised land. Now, in the dreaming and scheming phase, there is always, always some physical change in the person. So if a person has lost their job in death and rebirth, they go through those phases of mourning. They, they have to mourn the loss of their security and job and the dreams they had vested in that job. But then when they start dreaming and scheming, time and time again, there is some physical manifestation, either a personal transformation, so cut my hair, lose weight, do a bit of a spruce up of my cupboard, or there is a change in the physical environment so i remodel my kitchen or i just rearrange the furniture in my study so the the physical manifestation doesn't have to be big and dramatic you know if you think of this example of someone losing a job you know you can imagine they don't have money mm. to Throw everything out and buy new furniture for their study, for example. But moving, moving the furniture around, rearranging, changing the orientation of their desk—that already signifies to their subconscious mind that things are changing. The dreaming and scheming phase of the change cycle is one of my favorite phases because it's so interesting and intricate and you know if, if a woman if I see a woman who has cut her hair I know she's, she's making big changes. Very often when women get divorced or when they become mothers they cut their hair. That's a physical manifestation of the change. But what's interesting even more interesting than this is if we make a physical change, we change everything else in our lives. So so I've seen this with, with weight loss and physical makeover programs that I've worked on. When a person is thrown into a situation where their physical appearance is being changed or remodeled, everything else in their lives changed too. So... As within, so without. How you do one thing is how you do everything. And I love seeing these patterns repeat itself over and over again.
0: I think it must be very illuminating to have a a coach that helps you go through this type of process. I mean, if there is a big change in your life, either in your relationship status or in your work, as you mentioned, And it must be really interesting to have someone like you yourself, who's a a Martha Beck, just repeat what it's called. I'm a Martha
1: Beck certified life
0: coach. It just means
1: Martha Beck, I studied in her methodology and she endorsed me to use her tools.
0: Right. So someone like one of these coaches can help one go through these changes with your eyes wide open and can show you the dynamic relationship between the inner and outer change. And I think that that support helps, but also the fact that you see that you you are moving forward with these changes.
1: Yes, I very often refer to myself as a change management consultant, but then people get very confused and think I help companies mm. restructure. And I don't do that. I love working with people's hearts and souls Mm. and that is where change actually starts. whether it's for one person or for an organization
0: thank you Liesl I just like to mention here that I will include the link to our episode on the change cycle in the podcast notes if people are interested in looking at it in more depth quick note on what I do and why I do it. I'm a content entrepreneur creating podcasts and articles for my own platform and for various magazines and digital platforms. My weekly podcast episodes and the articles on my website focus on emotional health, parenting, love relationships and the life challenges we all face. Each episode and article features a therapist, coach or other wellness professional so you can get to know them and find an expert who will resonate with you should you need one. After all, online therapy and coaching means we can connect across continents. I love the fact that my website has had visitors from 100 countries and that I've featured 90 plus experts so far. Don't forget the up-close and personal articles on my website, which offer you a peek at the person behind the expert. If you're a wellness expert who'd like to be featured on my platform, just click on services on my website and then send me an email. Now, back to my guest. So, To summarize, how can we create a better life? Which role, for instance, is played by visualization?
1: Mariette, as we discussed now that, you know, your your outer reality reflects your inner reality and your inner reality is mirrored in your outer reality. If you want to make a change, you have to start from within. But you can also make concomital changes outside. So if you, if your desk is cluttered and the papers are piled up to the ceiling, that already makes you feel constricted and overworked and overwhelmed. So if you remove those papers, sort them out, throw away that which is not needed and get a system in place to deal with the ones that need to be dealt with, you are already going to start feeling more in charge of your life and not just of your office, but in other areas of your life as well. So your physical environment, if we can make that a pleasant place for us to be, then our lives become more pleasant for us.
0: I think this is the perfect place to ask you to give us your three tips on how to declutter your environment.
1: You know, Mariette, there are so many TV shows on how to declutter. So I wouldn't say I am the expert, but small things that work for me are the first thing is, if you feel overwhelmed, if you have a cupboard like mine that is completely in disarray it takes a lot of your mental energy to block that out start by cleaning out one drawer or one shelf a day when we look at, at if we have a big task now I've used the example of someone with papers stacked up to the ceiling that can get quite overwhelming but if we Break that task down into bite-sized chunks. It becomes more manageable. So one shelf a day, one drawer, that won't take too long. Cleaning out your entire office could take you a day or even two or three. But cleaning out one drawer is not going to take you that long. So start small. Small incremental changes, add The next tip I would give is give yourself a time limit. You know, we live in this amazing age where we all have timers with us all the time. You either have it on your watch or you have it on your phone. Put a timer for yourself. Decide, I am willing or I can afford to spend 10 minutes a day or I can afford to spend 20 or even 30 minutes this morning to clean up. Put a timer on. When the timer goes off, stop what you're doing. You can continue tomorrow. Or if you really want, if you're really so invested in that process and you are enjoying it, carry on. I'm not the boss of you. But that is, once we start getting into this process, we find that we actually enjoy it. It is starting it that is the difficult part. The last step, is bring in a plant or some flowers. Bring in a bit of nature because that will make you feel just so much better. Nature has a way of bringing out the best in people. And then I always say, flowers are nature's way of expressing joy. Flowers are joyful they make us happy. And yes, I know they only last a day or two or three, but... In those two or three days, if you look at them, I dare you to not feel happy and not smile. If the temporality of flowers put you off, bring in a plant, bring in a plant that makes you feel connected to nature. And you will already start feeling better about your environment and as a result, better about your life.
0: Thank you, Liesel. Where can listeners learn more about your work?
1: Marie, the easiest way to find me and find out about my work is to go to my website. Um, now, I was given a German name with, I think there are about eight or 12 different spellings. So I'm going to spell it.
0: Mm.
1: My my Liesel is L-I-E-Z-L. And then my surname is T H O. M for mary so is my website and you can send me a message you can read some of my blogs watch some of my videos but that's the easiest way to get hold of me
0: thank you i'll also attach a link to your website to the podcast
1: thanks mariette
0: are you ready for your fun question
1: i'm nervous but go for it <laughs>
0: If you were asked to make an appearance as an agony aunt on a TV show for. <laughs> it, gets Sorry, more, it gets more complicated.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> on a TV show for teenagers, mind. Which outfit would you wear or which prop might you consider taking along?
1: Sure. Okay. Firstly, the outfit I would wear would probably be something blue. Blue is the color of communication. Blue makes people feel that they can trust you. It makes people feel safe with you. My favorite color is red, but red is way too overwhelming, especially when you work with children. So I would wear something blue. Possibly also jeans, because, you know, jeans show those young ones that, you know, such, not, not such a stuffy, funny, mm. duddy that you can't relate to them. And then probably tackies. And very likely my hair in a ponytail, because, you know what, we don't want to. It's not about how we look. It is about how we can connect with those kids. A prop that I would take with you know, it depends on the ages of the kids. If it's younger children, I would take something like a hand puppet or one of my Wonder Woman dolls with. I'm obsessed with Wonder Woman, um, because it's it's something they can relate to, and it's it's it gives them something that they can associate with. For older children, Hmm, I've just given myself a very good idea, yeah Maria. to all mm-hmm. the children. I will take my Wonder Woman shield and sword. Ah uh-huh. because it what you can use those as a metaphor you know it, it's very easy to see how you can use a shield and a sword to to achieve all kinds of things in life, but it's also a talking point, and one of the easiest ways to get children young adults older adults and old people to talk to you is to have something else to focus on very often when when we start a coaching conversation those first few minutes are awkward because people feel exposed they feel what the hell is this woman going to ask me what is she going to expose me about because you know that's something we get very often whereas if you have something neutral or something completely different to what they expect. It distracts their inner critic, gives you something to talk about,
0: and then you can build the conversation from there.
1: I like that question. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Well, I love your answer. I really think I would have been tongue-tied if I'd had to (laughs) to reply to this one. So thank you. And thank you for exploring this topic with us and offering us your insights with such clarity. Thank you.
1: Oh, Marek, it's always lovely to speak to you. You must have a most terrific day. And to all the listeners, keep your environment clean and your head will be much quieter for it.
0: Thank you, Liesl. And to our listeners, it's been wonderful having you. I'd appreciate it if you'd subscribe to this series and rate it where you download your podcasts. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with someone you care about. You're welcome to go to my website www.marietzneeman.co.za for this episode's podcast notes and for free articles and podcast episodes on love and intimacy, parenting, emotional health and managing life's challenges. To follow me on Facebook, just search for Mariette Neeman Journalist. Calm, Clear and Helpful is compiled Hosted and edited by me, and the music is by Mart Marie Catch you next Tuesday at 9.